Welcome to the SLGND Podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Dan Duva, and a special guest today, it's Stormy Tony. Stormy, how are you? I'm great. Better now that I see you. Oh, <laughs> far too kind. You don't want to start off with a lie. But, you know, I, right before we were starting here, Stormy, I thought to, to offer you a bottle of water. Uh, and perhaps warn you about the climate here in Las Vegas being as dry as it is. But then I had to remind myself, you know more about Las Vegas than perhaps any of us other Golden Knights broadcasters. (laughs) What are your roots here in Las Vegas? Yes, I grew up here. I was molded and shaped in this desert. (laughs) So I know all about the heat. But um, yeah, I lived here until I was 17. And then I moved to San Diego with my dad. But even you know, my mom and whole family still lives here. So I come back and visit all the time, especially when I was living in San Diego. I was back up here at least once a month visiting everybody. Um, But yeah, my mom lives here. My grandpa, my brother, my aunts and uncles, everybody. My aunt's actually a teacher in the Clark County School District. So yeah, my my life runs very deep here. And you're at Palo Verde High School, right? Yes, Right up the road from City National Arena. I know. It's crazy. It's in the shadow of City National. Could you have imagined that there would be an NHL franchise practice facility down the street from your high school? I don't think anybody could, right? <laughs> and you always hear that phrase, hockey in the desert, but you yeah. don't expect it. And it's it's so incredible to see what this team has done for, for the city yeah. and for every, you know. <laughs> what was it like growing up here? Obviously, your, your parents both mm-hmm. involved in athletics. Uh, what was it like growing up with two parents involved in athletics? It's great and horrible because they were my coaches for everything growing up too. My my dad, as you um, alluded to, he was a minor league baseball player back in the day. My mom was an elite gymnast. She actually coaches a gym here, Salciano Elite Gymnastics Academy. Good plug. Shout out. Um, I always, actually, one of the things that I always do when I come back to town is I go over to her gym to see if I still got it <laughs> and try to do some flips on the trampolines and stuff and see if I can. But I grew up playing a lot of different sports. I wish that hockey was was one of them, but we didn't have this yeah. beautiful city national arena when I was here. Yeah, well, what sports did you play? Uh, basketball, bowling, gymnastics, a little bit of, my dad tried to get me to play tennis, but I was horrible. Um, <laughs> a little bit of softball. I was great on the wiffle ball scene. Um, but my bowling, I always think is just the funniest part of my story because my dad, bless his heart, really wanted me to be this child prodigy because of my name, because there's storm <laughs> bowling balls. And he was like, Stormy, like you, you're going to make all the money. You're going to be the most famous bowler alive. And I retired at the uh, veteran age of nine. (laughs) (laughs) But I I did beat my dad in that time. I got a 211 in a game when he got a 210 before I turned 10. And that was like my crowning achievement. What sports do you still continue with? Do you bowl at all? Oh, I bowl. So I'm like a bowling (laughs) shark now. Oh, okay. So don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) You've spilled the beans. But no, when I go out with my friends and stuff or like people that just haven't seen me bowl before, I'm just like, man, I haven't done this in such a long time. I'm going to be so rusty, which is true. But I'll still roll like a 160 or something compared to my poor, my poor friend Ariana back in Charlotte, where I currently live. She, uh. She bowls about a 30. Oh. <laughs> and so that's just... Got to get some bumpers yeah. and stuff. You know, I, I, I think so often about how as kids, we watch sports, we play sports, and some of us continue to play them and get mm-hmm. paid for it. Mm-hmm. Many of us uh, have to resort to other areas of yes. the sports business. And you and I have ended up in the sports broadcasting business. When did that first cross your mind that broadcasting sports could be your future? Um, it was 
always something I dreamed of doing, but this is a dream job, right? You know what I mean? It's not something that you plan on necessarily doing, I guess, or at least I didn't. So I went to college with the plan that I was going to be a nurse and I did all of my, you know, anatomy and physio, general education, all of that stuff. And you have to do electives that, um, you know, are, are different. And I did a radio television elective because I was like, that's fun. That's something I, I love, <laughs> you know, why not do it? And my teacher actually in that class when I was in college said, hey, you're like, you're actually kind of good at this. Um, have you ever like thought about wanting to do something? And I was like, yeah, but nobody ever gets a job in that. That's not real. And then he was like, no, I really think that you should, I mean, if it's something that you love and that you're interested in, I think you should try to pursue it. And I had a conversation with my dad. I changed majors and I, I went for it. <laughs> wow. Well, so and Palomar College and then San Diego State. Yes. So how did that evolve in your college career? Well, I was at San Diego State and um, it wasn't really broadcasting necessarily that drew me first. I thought mm -hmm. I was going to be a sports writer when I okay. kind of went into it because um, I really liked writing for television. Mm. I thought that that was that was really kind of going to be my calling. I was like, OK, like it's nice that they think that I'm OK on air, but the longevity in that isn't really so much. I'm probably not going to, you know, I, as a woman in it as well, I was like, I'm 27. I am 55 in broadcast <laughs> years. I know. I know what I am. But um, but yeah, so I was at San Diego State and my dad actually is the one that told me if you have any legitimate interest in being on air, you should pursue it while you're young. You should give it a try. And San Diego State didn't offer any um, broadcast classes other than one your senior semester, your final semester, your senior year. Um, so I went to Palomar College where they do a weekly high school football show. Okay. And it was a total one man band thing. So like we go out there, I go out there by myself with a camera every Friday to a high school game. I shoot pregame, I shoot the whole game. I shoot my own standups of myself. Gotta make sure my audio levels are okay. Have to set up the tripod to do a post game interview with coach, like the whole deal. And then two days later we would come back and it's like me and all of the other students would put together the show. Wow. And that was the best experience I ever could have gotten. Like, so honestly, I got so much more out of that class at Palomar College than I did in any of my internships wow. before I got my first job because they just, from day one, taught you how to use cameras, taught you how to run the ENPS system and the whole mm -hmm. deal. And I loved it. When, I loved it. When you saw yourself on a screen for the first time, what did you think? I felt so sick. <laughs> oh, because my voice. <laughs> Everybody hates their own voice. But when you work in an industry where you have to hear it constantly, it's just like constantly critiquing yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what did I do? Or I talk a lot with my hands. I'm Italian. You well, know. Yes, of course. You, you know. know, we're Italian. That's we right. We talk with our hands. Yes. Just ask Dave, <laughs> Shane, and Gary. I might knock over one of these microphones occasionally. Shh, don't yes. No, that's. And so that was like something that I reel them in. Just got to reel them in, sister, and speak from the diaphragm. Speak mm -hmm. a little bit deeper so that if, if you don't like listening to you, other people probably aren't either. That's right. So from there, it's, it's another leap to say, I'm going to try to get a job in this field. I'm going to mm -hmm. pursue it. How did that happen? Honestly, a lot of things in my career have been kind of just lucky. And I mean, you don't get the luck without putting in the hard work to make the most of an opportunity. I'm, I'm very keenly aware of that and so grateful that I had the mentors that I had. But 
my first job was with the Mountain West Conference, shout out UNLV. So that was a wonderful tie that I got to have as well as San Diego State and going there for college. Um, but I only even saw that application because a friend of mine that I was in school with wanted to do news, didn't care for sports and said, hey, I think this might be up your alley. And wow. I was like, I honestly wasn't even applying for jobs at that point. My dad was great and he was like, once you start working in you know, this field, you're gonna be working for the rest of your life. And if you want one more summer to be a kid, you can. And I got that application, looked it up and down. And I was like, this is everything I wanna do. It was, it was incredible, you know what I mean? And so that night I was like up until three in the morning, putting together everything I possibly could, gathering all my tape, writing this cover letter, emailed it to him the next day, but after vetting it like 20 times and staying up all night, cause you could, uh, there was a date on the bottom that the, mm -hmm. the application was gonna close. So I had to get it in. And I got an email the very next day that was like, hey, we'd like to set up a phone interview with you. And I was like, what, what? Okay. <laughs> like did not expect to get a response that quickly, let alone one that was positive. Mm -hmm. And um, I did a phone interview with them about two weeks later. I was on the phone with them for an hour, made a fool of myself. <laughs> but apparently that worked for them <laughs> because they told me it was like a Tuesday and they told me they would let me know by Friday. And they called me like four hours later and said I was their unanimous decision. And wow. that was just the the greatest thing that has happened in my career, yeah. probably that they gave me that opportunity to grow. Yeah, you you say the word grow. In fact, one of the things that I wrote down is how do you grow? Um, I'm very curious about those kinds of things. So whether it's from family, friends, mentors, you mentioned mm -hmm. in the business, how do you grow? It's, oh, it's such a great but difficult question. But I think that for me, the best way that I grow is to be put in an uncomfortable position, but know that I have support, so have a little bit of a safety net. I think that I thrive, and the only way that I grow and thrive is being put in uncomfortable situations sometimes and challenging myself and doing something different to branch out and also knowing that I have people in my life that love me very much and will catch me if I fall, but sometimes you do have to fall, right? So <laughs> can, can you share with us a story about a time perhaps when you did face a challenge? Maybe you fell? Um, uh, so many times. <laughs> Are we talking just like when I fell walking down the hallway earlier or? <laughs> no, I, um, I actually, after I left the Mountain West Conference, I, had a real low for myself because I, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to grow, I wanted to expand. And I took a chance moving to a city I'd never been before. And Charlotte, North Carolina, where I currently live and moved there without a job. Just hoping that maybe somebody would take my tape seriously and give me a shot. And I- Why I, Charlotte? Well, so my boyfriend, we've been together for like four and a half years and okay. he has, he grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina. He has family out there. Okay. We met in Colorado and both were kind of looking for some sort of a change. And so we were like, okay, well we might as well be near one of our families, right? <laughs> Charlotte's wonderful. So I was like, it's a great sports town. Yeah. And if that's what I want to do, you've got the Hornets, Panthers, uh, the Charlotte Knights, AAA affiliate, the Charlotte Checkers as mm -hmm. well. You got mm -hmm. all these different things. The 49ers too. Yes. Oh yeah. And I did a couple games for them as well. So I, I sent my resume reel out to everyone and their mom and <laughs> sent all these emails and you know for every 10 emails maybe I'll get one back kind of a thing and my first job actually in Charlotte was editing and producing in the sports pod at NBC News Channel and I still do it sometimes just to like stay up with them in case for some reason people don't want to give me on air work anymore <laughs> but I've been very very fortunate like I, I do I, I'll get to that. 
don't want to leap too forward. But <laughs> I, I moved there without anything, you know, and it was, yeah. I went through about three months and I'm fortunate that it was only three months versus what I know a lot of other people have had to deal with mm-hmm. in, in this career because it is such a tough industry. Um, but I, I wasn't on air. I wasn't doing anything. And I was like, what am I doing? And am, am I not good at this? Is this not the right thing for me? And then I got a call from SEC Network, so it worked out okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I um, I got to, I again. It was just one of those kind of fortunate connections of a person of a person that knew somebody that liked me when I worked at the Mountain West, yeah. and that went from SEC Network to the Carolina Panthers to I freelance doing other things for ESPN and Fox Sports South now. And it was again, it was just like one person took a chance on me, and it made me legit to other people. <laughs> Why do you think people have taken a chance on you? Um, I, I'll tell you what my dad says. Um, and he always tells me that you come across as somebody who's just like good to be around. You know, you're not somebody that's trying to make anybody else life hard. If anything, you're trying to make a room brighter. You're trying to, um, I know for me, I really like to be liked. <laughs> and so, don't we all? No. And so, like, for whenever I do a football game or, or a basketball game or whatever it may be, I always I introduce myself to the entire crew. Um, I say thank you for all of the work that you've done. Um, I know my A2s very well. I create friendships with them. And I think that everything is really just about connecting with people and being somebody that other people want to be around because you don't have to be the most talented or the best looking, but if you work really hard and are nice to people, you might get a chance. Mm, Interesting. Have you met Dave and Shane yet? I haven't, but I really want to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, on the television broadcast, they've become kind of the the faces, the voices of the team. And of course, Gary Lawless and myself on the radio. But it seems to me that, um, you know, there is something about the culture that has developed with the Golden Knights here and Dave and Shane are the the faces and voices of it Mm -hmm. on television. What's your perception of what that identity is here for the Vegas Golden Knights and and perhaps through the eyes and voices of our broadcasters? I think that they are so talented at what they do first and foremost, but not only are they informative and knowledgeable and so good at what they do, but they keep it fun. They razz each other, you know? They they give you all the entertainment value that you expect with the Las Vegas entity, right? And so. that's only on the air. You should see them <laughs> off the air. I can't even imagine. No, they just seem like, I think that's something that's such a draw about them to people in the community and in the footprint in general that watch all of these games are that okay, yeah, you're this big time broadcaster, you're this former NHL player, but you're so weirdly relatable to me right now. How is that possible? And they're just very, very engaging in that way. How do you go about relating to a viewer, relating to an athlete, relating to an administrator, someone behind the scenes? How is it that you accomplish those connections? I think it's a combination of being myself, but understanding how to read a room and read a moment. Uh Um, so generally speaking, I am the type of person that I do walk around with a smile on my face. I don't plan on it. It just happens. Some people have a very mean mug when they walk around and that's just not really me. But I also know that 
after a team has lost and I have to do an interview, I'm not going to be zipping around, <laughs> you know? No, but like yeah. when you when you meet with people, you can read people for the most part and get a vibe for what they're giving out. And if you can match that and maybe brighten it a little bit, that's kind of my goal. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting just as we, we chat here, and, and you and I hadn't met until today, but you, you have a curiosity and you also have... Um, this wonderful storytelling ability. Thank you. And I wonder if you can answer the impossible question. Probably not if it's impossible. Good catch. <laughs> Why do we like stories? Who doesn't? You know, do we need a reason? I think that they're just, I mean, stories are who we are, you know, it's, Literally, like in, written on paper or verbal, whatever it is, it's it's who we are. It's it's what makes people people. I think is their stories of defeat and their stories of triumph. And you know, I think roughness of texture. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And everyone is unique. Everyone is told different. Hmm. What is the most important advice that you have received, whether in life or in your career? Um. I touched on it already earlier, but I think that the biggest thing for me is to be nice to people and give what you want back to you. You know what I mean? Like I always approach a situation from a positive mindset versus a negative, but in this general field, I guess, the best advice that I've probably been given, I've been given so much. I have such great mentors. Shout out Jesse Kurtz. He's my number one guy. Um, but and who is that? Jesse Kurtz was my boss at the Mountain West Conference. He still works there. He's also a color analyst for Air Force Football, lives in Colorado Springs. He was actually just here a couple days ago for Mountain West Football Media Days. and. Dan, his flight landed in, uh, left Vegas 25 minutes before mine landed here. Isn't like that such a bad break? Oh. Such a bad break. Um, but he's been the most influential person outside of my family. Him and my father mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. by far been the most influential people in shaping me as a person and a broadcaster. So if a high school graduating Stormy Bonantoni was to meet the Stormy mm -hmm. Bonantoni of today, what advice might you give your younger self? Well, if we're talking work, um, I would say, you know that this is what you wanna do and you know that you love doing it. So you need to go all in and pursue it with everything that you have. I, I wish more than anything that I would have gotten a, a faster start and not gone the other way a little bit, not steered the ship the wrong way for, <laughs> for a couple of years because, I, this is what I feel like I was meant to do. I love it so much. I love telling stories. I love just sports in general. I think that sports stories are some of the most incredible that you can get and find. And I would tell my former self just to keep doing what you're doing and be yourself and be friendly and relate to people the best you can and work hard. Oh my gosh, I stay up so late. Or, and be less neurotic. So work hard, but be less neurotic. Is that a good combo? That's a good balance. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I just thought of what the best advice I've been given in this is. Know the information, don't regurgitate it. That has probably been the most key for me. My boss, Jesse, told me that if you're doing an open hit, I want you to do it five times five different ways mm -hmm. so that you're not trying to memorize something, you don't get stuck on a word, whatever it is. I want you to do it five times five different ways. And that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And don't stop talking. <laughs> as you walk in today to the Vegas Golden Knights office, you look around and as mentioned, this is 
been your home. You've yes. got family in the neighborhood. Um, you try to present yourself as a professional as you are, but deep inside, what are the emotions going through you today? I did not act like I've been there. I can tell you that <laughs> from the minute I walked in here, I was just like, oh, Sage, this is so cool. Like, look at this, look at this. Like I was a kid at <laughs> a candy store. I'm not ashamed of it. I, I think like many people here, um, I, I, I was saying this to Sage earlier, I was not somebody that was brought up and born and raised on hockey. I wasn't. But when this team came around, I fell in love with the game. I fell in love with this team like so many people in this community have. I feel like I'm growing as the team is growing. It's so cool and it's so special. And yeah, I was a, I am a nerd. I'm not ashamed of it. This building is incredible. I need to get down to T-Mobile Arena. My cousin actually used to work in the arena. So he got to see way more Golden Knights games than I've ever gotten to, but it's just, it's so awesome. I'm such a nerd. Well, and, and you know to uh, keep a bottle of water nearby because yes. uh, it, it is uh, it is Las Vegas. Do you have a Fiji all. sponsorship? Is that why? Uh, that's we're a, that's a great idea. <laughs> no, no, but, but uh, I, sh I should talk to Sage about that. He's standing by. With yes, water. I will stay hydrated this weekend, definitely. Stormy, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. This is the SLGND podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.